Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. From the team that brought you the award-winning show Retro Replay and the Emmy-nominated comedy series Con Man comes a new idea just crazy enough to be good. Introducing Couch Soup. I know, I know, you're probably wondering, what is Couch Soup? Well, Couch Soup is content for your hungry nerd soul. Daily articles from fans, not pundits. Weekly podcasts that contain a multiverse of opinions on all things pop culture. Exclusive videos and weekly live streams where we laugh, scream, and sometimes have technical difficulties. All created by folks like you, the gamers, the film nerds, the TV bingers, comic book lovers, bookworms, and pop culture enthusiasts, all in one giant bowl of beautiful, disgusting, soupy goodness at CouchSoup.com. Welcome to the Watching Now podcast from Couch Soup. We have a very special episode for you today, nerding out on the latest batch of Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. It was a song by the Time Lords, so I'm going to move past it. (laughs) But first, let me introduce you to our panel. We have Charlotte. Hello. We have Ben. Hey, what's up? And we have... Head of unit himself, <laughs> Drew Lewis. Uh, Alonzi. Did I get it right? Is that Alonzi? Like yeah. That, you know, There's always the pause though. Alonzi. Right. right. <laughs> we have not one, not two, but three David Tennant Doctor episodes to go through today, and one from the brand new Gallifrey in our midst, Shuti Gatwa. Before we go into those into too much detail, let's get a round robin on what you thought of it just in non-spoilery terms we'll start with ben it's better than the last series <laughs> like yeah definitely i mean that's not really a feat but it is better like i really liked star beast when it first came out but then the more that we went on as more i started to think of star beast as sort of like because okay. wild wild blue yonder honestly i didn't really feel lived up to its potential much but the giggle was like a 10 out of 10 episode and then that was just like okay now this is what we want we want that keep getting more of that it might be because of neil patrick harris but you don't never know and the christmas episode was really good as well so promising very promising but uh you know given what came before it we uh we we, we have to go up and upward direction of why something would be incredibly wrong you know that's fair that's fair that's fair yeah uh, Charlotte, what do you think? Overall, I was just, I was happy to be able to sit down and actually feel like I was watching Doctor Who again. Uh, I really tried to give uh, the Chibnall seasons a really good run and I, I just couldn't. It felt weird and I just didn't like it. The writing felt odd. Um, so it was really nice to get back to just feeling like 
I'm watching a Doctor Who show, not just some weird spinoff that was never going to make it. Um, and I would say out of all of the episodes, I would have to say the, the giggle was fun. I I liked uh, just because I, I knew the amount of work that went into it from what I watched on the back behind the scenes stuff. I really liked Star Beast. Um, the amount of work that they put into the puppetry and stuff on that was just cool. Oh, that's some so. opposing opinions that you guys have got already. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Okay. How about Drew? Drew? The doctor is back. Uh, you know, this is, I, I, I don't know if it was just the amount of time we had to wait for this new iteration. Like, you know how, like, you know, it's like you, you, you let something go and you're like, I miss it now. I need it. I need it. You know, even the bad was good when we had it. Like just having Dr. Who back is sort of like a good feeling, you know what I'm saying? Just in general, like, like we need this television, this, this, this type of TV, we can all say Whitaker and, and, version of doctor who wasn't the greatest but it was still i think she brought a lot of charisma to it and i think there was some storytelling i, I always appreciate bold swings right like when someone's willing to take a bold swing even if it was kind of jarring and you're kind of like i don't really understand what you're trying to do here and and clearly they sort of retconning a lot of that anyway right in, in a sense and we've kind of seen that in the latest episodes um but from a non-spoiler sense i i think it was incredibly smart especially from a 60th anniversary standpoint to bring back tenet even though like from a whovian yes. like from a brain way of like trying to explain how that works like they figured it out in some timey-wimey wibbly wobbly way which is fine right sure right but uh it's great to have tenet back and especially bringing back donna noble like chef's kiss uh to bring those two characters back together and then introducing uh shuti with uh the church on ruby road and ruby the character ruby uh i thought that was very well done um i'm gonna actually be different uh, since you picked the giggle uh, and Charlotte, you picked Starbeast. I'm actually my favorite was Wildly Wildly Yonder out of the wow. the three tenant episodes. I actually thought Ruby Road was pretty incredible though. Um, but I kind of want to separate them. I think they're sort of it's like putting them all four together and trying to rate them like it feels weird because it's like there's these three and then there's this one thing, right? Well, like I kind of want to uh, separate I, them. I sort of agree with the, with that to be honest. I think every single one is a is a different part of doctor who and what it can bring like they're all totally yeah. different and they did give different things to to the the who universe who who reverse who verse that, that's what they're going to call it um yes. so yeah i i'm really enjoying it i i have to say i have a soft spot for jodie whittaker not the writing of jodie whittaker's character yeah. <laughs> of, of who but uh, the energy that she brought, I really liked Jodie Whittaker's like chaotic energy. I mean, yeah. they're all chaotic in in a way. The the doctors, but Jodie Whittaker's was just like weird and northern, and that's my my jam. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, she did what she could, what she could with what she had, right? Like it was yeah. sort of like how do even she was probably reading it like what the you know and then she's like i'm i'm running with it i'm just going to go yeah. nuts you know it felt like uh... uh i was going to say you just can't discount somebody's work like she did 3 years of work on a show that mm. i love <laughs> my blame purely rests on the on chris chibnall to me in terms yeah. of the new episodes we love them they they have a, a i feel like there was a touch of eccleston and type production design in some of them which which i really liked that just a yeah. little bit 
cheap and nasty, but in a fun way. <laughs> the new introduction to Shooty was really good. Um, just waiting for they they need the time to gel, obviously. But that that first Christmas yeah. episode was really good, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Shooty even brought back the lever from oh, Eccleston. Yeah, that leather's yeah. back of Eccleston leather. <laughs> That's Eccleston true. was way too cool. I didn't for catch this. that, but the big coat. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. Thanks. So it sounds like everyone's really on board with the, these last these last four episodes anyway. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. They really hit a, a chord with everyone. So shall we go on to the Star Beast then? I know for a fact that Charlotte has something to do, to say about the Star Beast. It was your favorite episode of it. And, and it's not just because I am also a huge Harry Potter fan, but Miriam Margulies is a gem. She is a national treasure. I I love her and adore her, and she's just nuts. And I, I love her for this. She is because freaking I, nuts. In, right? in interviews, she is freaking <laughs> nuts. She uh, examined me, my front body, and my back body. <laughs> and, of course, they thought I wouldn't like it. <laughs> She's bonkers. I love I love watching her, because she has so much sass and does not care about anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it, She's amazing. And it takes somebody like her to do this part to play the meep. Uh, the meep. Right. <laughs> Like, let's talk a, about the meat yeah such such a such like to get such a like a, like well-known and lo- beloved actress to beat the meat and then <laughs> but and then and then the way the episode just completely like subverts it and you're like oh oh okay i see why you you, you this actor is now playing this character i'm a cute uh, little dog. oh my god i'm so cute yeah uh, yeah. When I saw him go evil, I was like, "Oh, it's evil, baby Yoda. <laughs> You're on Disney evil Plus baby, now. Yeah. Here you go." <laughs> I was, I was thinking more on the Gremlin side, but yeah, the evil baby Yoda yeah. works as well. Uh, the meep was a, but I, I don't know if I, I can say it was a great character, but it was, it was a turn. It was a turn that got me. Well, uh, and the way its face just scrunched as well, like hell with this oh yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> well the story with the meeping was actually like it was an early story like it was something from a while ago that they brought to the screen so it, it's always it based been on there. like a comic or something yeah it was based on a comic it was it was a project that brought forward which was fan love brought to the screen which was great you could tell they put a lot of a lot of work into the animatronics on the on the puppet um it was just oh. really kind of cool i mean we're used to seeing very basic, rudiment kind of makeup jobs. I mean, in the same episode, we saw very basic, rudiment prosthetics. So to see something that was really well articulated, I thought was cool. And yeah. I know some of its visual effects and stuff is pu- puppetry, but still cool. Uh, some of the special effects in that episode I really liked was uh, what they did with the sonic screwdriver with like the energy fields and the like heads up display that remind me of Tony Stark and stuff. Yeah, like that I, was cool that was cool but i don't think we'll ever see it again like, <laughs> i get this feeling that it was yeah, just one and this, just for this doctor like the 14th doctor i was wondering because it did it it definitely stood out those the that ui that he brings up and he's just sitting there and he's typing and and i was like that's an interesting like like it, it seems like a no-brainer like that's something they should have been doing for a while now but yeah 
at the same time, I think you might be right. I don't know if they'll continue to do it because it, it feels so techy for Doctor yeah. Who that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it fits with every mm-hmm. Doctor, but maybe with this older tenant or this revised tenant, yeah. it kind of did. Yeah. Like he's just more relaxed in his using, like, you know, it's like old man Doctor, you know, doing his thing on the, like cleaning back <laughs> on the chair and he's like playing with his screen. I don't know if I could call this this incarnation as relaxed. He was so confused for the whole time. Like, but let, let's face it, he has no idea at this point that why his face has returned it's the first time it's ever happened to him them um and yeah he's so confused especially because where does the tardis put him in the star beast right next to donna noble who he's not supposed to see and his daughter her daughter not his daughter yeah (laughs) her daughter they are a match made in heaven those two Oh yeah, their their on screen chemistry is just amazing. I think it's because the actors are just genuinely good friends, so that translates to on screen, and the writing between the two is always good. Yep, I, I oh, always yeah. just like Donna because she felt like the every person's version of what it would be like to be a doctor like the way she just overreacts to every situation like when she first realizes like the meep is where she's like oh my god like it's like you know like these realizations of like the way she just reacts to situations just feels more grounded i think in real worldness than a lot of other companions where they feel like oh i'm an on an adventure i would do this you know and you're like she's just like to hell with it you know like this is gar- you know like i'm out why aren't we doing this we need to get out of here you know like she's just very grounded in her sensibilities which i think i think a lot of people love that kind of take that take on a companion um and it's great it was great to see her back i do agree it was kind of like a little like the episode starts and you're kind of like what why is he right there and then this and then the daughter like like in my head i'm trying to play a lot of catch-up probably like the doctor is trying to play a lot of catch-up i guess too so i guess in this daughter called rose as well it's the love of his life at this point in in a doctor time that was an interesting choice i thought so too and i was wondering if there was going to be something with that they never took that anywhere oh there was they did there was something with it yeah it's the fact that she's part of the meta crisis like she has all of his memories so that's right so she okay. obviously changes her name when she transitions, taking the name Rose because it's the name that uh, that is the most prevalent for a female in the Doctor's memories of when he became uh, Metacrisis. Um, that, that feels like a that feels like a little cheap. I don't know why it just felt it rubbed me the wrong way for some reason. Like yeah, when, was, when her name was Rose, I was like, I don't. And even the ex- I get your explanation too. Like it makes Ooh. sense, but I just don't feel like it was earned. Like oh. in a way. Yeah, from a meta standpoint, it's basically calling another character Rose saying, oh, does she have something to do with this character from before? It's just like, it, it's, a, it's a cheap way to gain interest. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you, Ben. Yeah. Why do the writers of Doctor Who hate wheels? Oh, yeah, this. Okay, so there was a um, Children in Need special where the iconic character Davros appeared, but he was before he had his accident. He was basically standing up, which we've mm. never seen before at all. Like D- Davros has never been out of his wheelchair. And so people were like, well, what's going on? And Russell T. Davies did this interview where he was like uh, basically talking about how he was upset about the stigma that people on disabilities have now. Basically saying we don't want wheelchairs to be evil at all. And so he was like, OK, 
so we're gonna basically try and show Davros less as like a disabled person and more of like just a force of evil. Like we're gonna take him out the wheelchair and show him that. So what is the first thing that <laughs> Russell T Davies does in this episode? He turns a wheelchair into a, a missile launcher. As <laughs> someone uses it as a weapon. <laughs> and it's like, good job, Russell, you broke it. Right. That was amazing. Um, it was uh, very cool, you know. Then that that kind of thing to to be able to to see a person like that, our own Shayna, you know, who yeah. was uh, she's well uh, in a wheelchair uh, and rolls with all of our nonsense that we we throw at her. I love her for it, but uh, she was really looking forward to this because you know here's a, a hero character yeah. who you know is in a wheelchair and you know gets to gets to help the doctor. So it's, it's oh, yeah. really cool. It, it is very positive in that aspect. I just find it funny yeah. how it's like this guy can't have the weapons on the wheelchair, but this person can, you know? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't villainize I... it, but you can make him a uh like you know, put turn him into Arnold Schwarzenegger and yeah. 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 I think I think he's just he's like, I'm back, I know this entire world upside down. I'm gonna have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did it can someone explain to me what happens here? Like so Donna's gonna die, right? She's got mm-hmm. you know all the memories of the doctor and her daughter, I guess, that like now like suddenly realizes, like at the obviously, you know, Deus Ex Machina moment of the episode where she needs to remember in order to save everything, right? Convenient. Yeah. Um, and then and then I'm like, okay, I, I'm starting to buy this. And then at the end, they can just sort of like expel the energy. And I was kind of like is this did that feel that that was the one moment like i was loving everything and then that happens and i'm sort of like you just sort of like i almost wish and i and don't hate me whovians but i almost wish somebody died at that moment like i felt like the episode needed there needed to be more sacrifice i think from what was happening there like because it felt pretty fun like her when they were in the in the bottom of the shuttle and and Mm -hmm. it felt it felt like something bad was going to like you felt like this was the final moment Mm -hmm. even though i knew there were two more specials with donna noble but i still felt it and i still wanted some repercussion or something like even if she got bought more time somehow and at the third yeah. one she was going like i don't know i just felt like they just waved it off and i was like oh okay well it goes a bit deeper than that because when the meta crisis happened there were two people who were the part of that meta crisis if you're going to have it that two people together can like dissolve that mm-hmm. there was another version of david tennant that was created from his hand from Donna Noble touching it, they both could have just decided to disperse that meta crisis themselves at that yeah. point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, Doesn't quite yeah, make sense. Again, don't don't hate me on this. I I love that that Rose is a trans character and has gone through transition and stuff. But there was no need in her saying non-binary, non-binary, non-binary when she was becoming a a, a, a time lord. It, it had nothing to do with her transness. That she was able to take on that that TARDIS energy. It felt a bit. Chibnall uh-huh. cringe for me that 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 one line of dialogue that a me... little bit of a little bit of wokeness in there to to I, you know. I, I have no problem with the <laughs> politically correct stuff but it's just yeah. it just didn't feel like it was needed to be in there because it wasn't a trigger word for me there was a worst moment for that when they ask the meep what their pronouns are and the meep just goes my pronouns are the meep because that's like his emperor <laughs> yeah. title so he's like i don't have pronouns because i'm evil it's just like what that was that was an alarm bell for me to be fair i am just the meat (laughs) 
<laughs> you may call me only the meat. <laughs> I am the meat, your god. <laughs> yeah. I, the binary thing didn't bother me too much. I, I did see it, and it it kind of felt like that moment in Avengers when all the women show up, and you're like, "We're well, here to get your back." You're like, oh, "Okay," and then I just move on, right? You know, like, yeah. "Okay, thumbs up." It, it didn't bother me too much. It was just a little you know, bit cringe, a little know? bit, yeah, a little just bit, a bit cringe. Bit. I, like, like it's it. I don't know what it is about some some like creator. Like the other thing that I think the end of the episode sort of like it just wipes away things sometimes in in Doctor Who land where I in earlier seasons i felt like seems like there was more repercussions like like when the rocket was like basically destroying the city and i was like well and then it just reverses and i didn't like it literally put it back together and i wish there was just a little bit like i'm like ah like i i just hate i feel like in today's age like i think that was fine in like early early doctor who but like i think now there needs to be a little bit more tangibleness to like decisions that are made or things that happen right well a lot um, of units all just died yeah, they, they they definitely uh, did yeah that's yeah true. that's pretty standard no yeah reason. unit a, a cannon fodder aren't they what are you yeah, doing pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're a named character yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and then you die but you can come back maybe i don't know yeah maybe no, i think i i think i've watched a lot of um a lot of the dialogue in fact some of it the first time that i watched the episode kind of just because I was just like, I'm watching Doctor Who. So, you know, I had to rewatch it to catch everything that was being said. Uh, but, you know, a lot of what we're seeing is we're seeing it because Donna's there. So we're seeing Donna's, what Donna sees and what Donna feels. And as a mother, I understand why it's there and why we need to understand what she's going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Outside of the loss of her memory she's also dealing with you know this teenager who's going through this upheaval in their personal environment and their their identity and older parents that don't understand and you've given away all your money and so you add that added thing of parent on there and it 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 hits a little bit different i think it, it, it was an interesting how they brought in how she like gave away all her uh, fortune and yeah, I thought that was interesting, right? Like they did bring a, a lot of humanity into that episode, and I thought that was that was really smart. Yeah. Um, I thought that was Great. really well done, and um, and I did like the action. I thought the action was really good in this episode. There was a lot to like. Like I know yeah. I was kind of oh. I'm shitting on I'm nitpicking some of the yeah, yeah. the plot like in some of the like wave hand wavy things uh, that they did, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I, the, in, in general, the let I it thought, go stuff is nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I want the little kid from across the street to come back. Uh, I want to see him again. Maybe he can mention Tart, knowing about the TARDIS too. <laughs> like he shows up one of the doctor meetings. Like, hey, it's that pretty much where we at with the sea beast. You think the sea beast, <laughs> the star beast, space beast, the star beast? That's star the one. Beast. Not the yeah, sea star beast. beast. <laughs> <laughs> sea beast was another one, wasn't it? That yeah. Was yeah. <laughs> so let's go on to. The Wild Blue Yonder. Drew, you said it's your favorite, so let's start with you. Yeah, I, listen, I I I think Doctor Who, personally, this is a personal thing, but I think Doctor Who is at its at its best when it's off Earth. Like I love Who stories when they are on planets or in space or dealing with a problem that is like i've never i've heard like when it gets like when it goes really heavy into the sci-fi fantasy stuff right like 
when they're on earth and it's like save earth i'm like uh like i i get bored with it i don't know why and i think it becomes that it, like i live there so yeah, my imagination sucks, yeah exactly like my imagination <laughs> can only go so far because everything has to be somewhat grounded in realness because of we're living that this moment it, because doctor who technically kind of takes place in this world um yeah this universe in, in, in a sense but when they're in space like they can do whatever they want and i love that where they end up going sometimes like where the doctor can defeat the devil or the doctor you know like you know fights off uh clitothu Kl- Kl- or wh- whatever it might be right you know like it's just it gets fantastic. <laughs> what? do you mean cthulhu yeah cthulhu yeah <laughs> Oh, he's from Kentucky, guys. I'm from Kentucky. It's allowed. No, he's from something else, and my brain farted. What am I thinking? I'm not going too far down that that rabbit hole. You know, you could clip that if you want. I I just thought the well, I just thought Wild Blue Yonder was just. I just like the simplicity of it. I get that it kind of felt like these guys are running down a green screen tunnel. I get it. I don't, I don't care. Like, I like the fantasticalness of the idea, this idea that these, there's these entities that can like read your mind and then transform and the deformity of like, I like the simplicity of like, what's terrifying of when they had like the extra long arms or whatever, like that was kind of terrifying, right? Like, and it's uncanny valley type stuff yeah Yeah. and i think that's when doctor who is like at its strongest when it terrifies you with something so simple like deformity right like yeah in that sense um so i don't know and i love i love when the doctor has to outwit somebody on the long play right like he's he's like he's behind the whole time but he's sort of still on it right you know and he's always calculating and when you can see that happen like when you're watching it and when you're watching the villain doing it too right it, the chess game becomes more apparent and i just i like that moment too right so i don't know i just thought this was this felt very like episodic uh doctor who and that's what i i, I think that's when doctor who's at its best uncanny valley is scary as shit it would have been worse if there was a kid in it singing a creepy little song but other than that <laughs> d- done ben what do you think about <laughs> i think this episode sucked <laughs> What? Yeah, what? I think that. Then explain uh, yourself right now. I wow. think that cheap green screen. Uh, they had to only have two actors in the entire thing. Like that was it, except for obviously Bernard Cribbins at the end, and yeah. we appreciate Bernard Cribbins. But uh, um, it's the exact same premise as the episode Midnight. No, with the uh, stealing. The, their memories and their forms. The CGI is kind of wonky at parts, especially with the like stuffed corridor filled with David Tennant and Catherine Tate, like enlarged 500 times. I can't believe what I'm hearing, guys. Uh, the entire episode is running up and down a couple of corridors. Um, there's mentions of references to Chibnall era, which I didn't understand because I didn't watch half of that series. So I was confused. Uh, that's my own fault, but that's still. your own fault. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and um, honestly, I feel like it was just a giant game of whose line is it anyway? <laughs> We're going to stick these two actors in front of a green screen and make them do an episode for 50 minutes and see what they come up with. Fair, I fair. didn't think it was, I think that the purpose was that they had a few things they needed to get in before the next episode. 
And then they had to fit the rest of this episode around it, but they didn't want to pay for any more actors or sets or anything. It was big filler. I am fucking gobsmacked right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, the last kicker is the doctor doesn't work out which is the fake. He pulls in the wrong one and then goes, whoops, bye. (laughs) But that I feel like that's classic doctor, though. Like he's like, I don't know why. Like, I like when he makes mistakes. Yeah. Like it, he doesn't feel like there's a moment I think, and oh, I'm blanking on on names now. But like the there's Pelican. a moment where it just felt like he was like godlike, right? Like mm. he couldn't, like it was just like he he couldn't be stopped. And I I almost like when the Doctor is more human, right? Like he's more fallible, right? Like and I I actually thought that was a fun moment where he actually picks the wrong Donna and then comes back. He's like, oh shit. <laughs> and then the, the look on Donna's face when she's like, "You picked the wrong," you know, like I, I don't know. I thought that was great um, theatrics, right? Like it, it added another element to the to a, a moment where you feel like the episode's ending, and you're like, "Oh no, this." There's still a little bit of uh, it, the momentum keeps going. I thought there was some some clever story. I felt like that bit was a bit weird though, because like there's no consequences from picking the wrong one. Like the entire time. We're led to believe that if these guys win and get a foothold, they're going to do something terrible. But it just turns out that he can just reverse reverse it. And the ship blows up very slowly. Like Donna's looking at that explosion for at least five minutes. That's the whole fucking point, Ben. The whole thing was supposed to be slow. That was the whole way that they were winning. Oh, okay. Charlotte, please take over. Oh, when I first started watching the episode, we get down that corridor, we get to the robot. I'm like, ah, Melvin. It's Belvin. Um, I have a bit uh, of a Rickman hitchhiker's guide. Sorry, hitchhiker's yeah. guide robot. If anyone's lost, yes, Alan Rickman. Yes, I, of course, I, I do keep a towel in my car. It's fine. Yeah, I'm prepared <laughs> at all times. Uh, <laughs> a well-rounded nerd. Uh, but uh, and I I do usually like when it's a, a confined space episode because normally they do really good storytelling in a confined space episode, like uh, the Titanic episode was really good. Um, yeah. The uh, Orient Express episode was really good. Agreed. They yep. they tend to do really good storytelling in a confined space. So I was a little disappointed that there wasn't a lot of good meat because you've got characters that we already know, but they've been apart for 20 years. There's conflict here. Let's hear it. Like, you know, we could have gotten some really good meat in this and we just didn't. The concept oh. was cool. I just... Mm-hmm. I thought we, I thought we got a, enough of a, a, a character development episode in this one that kids can still enjoy. You can't yeah, do a Breaking Bad fly episode but with with, <laughs> with Doctor you, Who. You have to understand that for us here in the states, now that it's more of a mainstream show, it's not marketed here to children. It's oh. marketed here to adults. It's it's on at six p.m. here, so it's basically yeah. maybe a slightly older kids show. But you maybe. can't. Yeah. I mean, Jeez. you can't. Going back, you can't do a fly episode in Breaking Bad anyway because it's shit. But you can't <laughs> do that in Doctor Who because there's there's not enough weird and wacky stuff. There was a lot of getting to know Doctor and Donna again. The chaos of the Star Beast. They needed to slow down for an episode because it's not going to slow down again in the next episode. So they needed to slow down and have some discussions. Yes, yeah, some of those discussions weren't technically with each other, but they were 
with versions of each other that they they thought they were having good character moments with and that just propelled their relationship forward a little bit. I liked this in a more adult-y type of Doctor Who way, but it, it wasn't a stupid episode. It was just sci-fi fun. It was just fun. It introduced two new types of villains, right? Like, or... or species or whatever he needs to maybe could interact with in the future right like another and that to me is always crazy because doctor who has like a, like you could like pull like the list of weird character character villains that he could battle like to, to, to continually to be coming up with new things i think is is interesting um and and i listen i like i, I like the character like i like giving two great actors a sandbox or a black box in this case or a green screen box, whatever it might have mm -hmm. been, uh, like just a chance to just be great actors and just to have that chemistry and to show us that chemistry for an hour and to have fun as much fun as they were having. I don't know. I, I kind of was eating it up. I, I don't know why. I I, I kind of was just like kind of like this is great. Like and it's not the end of the world. The Earth mm -hmm. isn't gonna die. Like I, I you know no, like I it just felt so. it felt uh, like to your point, Charlotte. Like a like. A, a a bottled episode but it, i don't know that's what i i guess what i like most about doctor who and at, at the end of the day so two reasons more why i i like this episode donna noble is smarter than the doctor in quite a lot of ways she, she is the one who figures out that those doppelgangers are not the right people in every circumstance she's like nah that's not right that's not my doctor um and she can out outwit them and the other reason is because without donna these would have definitely killed everybody because it it preyed on the doctor's biggest weaknesses which is he is so very smart that he can't stop his reign and it, he would never have been able to beat it without doctor doctor donna it's a very scary villain for specifically the doctor it's someone who can beat him that was a that was a good character like decision right like for the, for them to choose like her kind of always kind of outwitting them over the doctor even trying to yeah, yeah but her intuition down. is usually pretty on yeah. point i mean they walked into silence in the, you know, the silence in the library and instantly she's like mm, no you don't need to be here <laughs> yeah totally that's what i love about her like that's my favorite character she's just so like no we we, we can leave it's okay like yeah. she, she's not like ready to like yeah. save anything right she's just like we should get the fuck out yeah well that and she's not always following him around with her tongue hanging out i'm like mm -hmm. i i get so yeah. tired of i yeah. don't need that in my doctor's like right no. yeah all right let's go on to the giggle and the weirdness of that episode you know <laughs> If if the first if Wild Blue Yonder had something which is Uncanny Valley, which is a scary shit for me, the next one had fucking puppets. So there we go. <laughs> oh, I love this episode so much. It was so fun. I'm just such a big fan of absurdity. Like the toy maker coming back, which is a direct link to uh, William Hartnell's Doctor, of course, which you know shows respect to the show's origin. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is just um, absolutely amazing. He's like an amazing actor. He put, he pulls this role off so well, like splitting between fake accents all over the place, and then whenever he's dead serious, going back to his crazy, um, mean Count Olaf voice. If you've ever seen the series Unfortunate Events, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. And just like the the entire dance number is just so wacky and zany until it becomes horrific. 
it's just like the crazy dancing and the gun spewing so it's it's it was just i loved it like it was so absurd and i love absurd stuff and the bit at the end where Sh- shooty gatwa comes comes out and he's basically just like this super like emotionally stable doctor who even tries to take out the other doctor at one point which i laughed at like a lot sort of like there can only be one like islander <laughs> sort of thing yeah, hey, we're yeah. playing catch nicely guys yeah come on. Come on. like it's not life or death or anything yeah and obviously there's the whole unit and random cameos that don't really have any bearing on anything but still nice to see people but uh, yeah, um, and in the end, we get a tease of the master possibly returning. Um, also, that beautiful meme that comes up where it's just like, well, that's all right then, that I see everywhere for every fandom now. The birth of a meme. Yeah, like Doctor Who finally has a meme again. Like, yeah. that's when you know you've made it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, there's just there's everything in this episode, even the like maze with all the puppets and stuff, and Donna just being Ooh. like, nope, die puppets. The, die. Baby, the baby puppet. The oh, baby man. puppet, guys. No. Oh. No. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be okay running into those with the, running into those here, because you know, here mm-hmm. in the US, I'm armed to the teeth. <laughs> I can't do that over there. Uh <laughs> some target practice neil patrick harris oh my god speaking of memes like that that man he was he was kind of a a catchphrase or a name for for kids before memes existed so he played in the in the early 90s he played a character called doogie hauser which was a a child who was a physician yes (laughs) and so it became a thing if you were like an overachieving child you were a doogie hauser absolutely yes so yeah he's he's well versed at being the meme well yeah and then he went it goes into being how many mother a very problematic show now but not not so then uh, being an absolute and he's done broadway in every sense of yeah he's just all over the place but i i while i was watching the behind the scenes stuff he was saying how he didn't know spice up your life and how Americans don't know that song and I'm just like uh, okay hmm. he's only five years older than I am <laughs> I know that song and I grew up in rural Indiana he was a yeah. child actor he was probably sheltered from such things as, as I hope music. that's an excuse because I'm like yeah. dude I grew up I crossed the street from a <laughs> cornfield and I knew about the Spice Girls so <laughs> Sorry about it, man. But he's just so camp and is so good for a a character from the sixties. He's just he's so much fun. I he brought a, a really fun energy to it, which they need getting David out the door, you know. Yeah, yeah. So and it, it it's fun every now and then to see an American in the show. He's yeah. a yeah, he's a gem. Love that. Uh, and Great. shooty his appearance. Oh my God. Can we talk about the insane amount of nerve this kid had to have? Like he is standing behind David Tennant mm-hmm. in his skivvies. Like, yep. Apparently that was David Tennant's idea. Yeah. yeah. It's it, I read that which I can see that's hilarious. Sounds like something he would do. Yeah. And I'm just like the, the amount of nerve that he had to have to stand behind this guy that, you know, he looks at as an idol in his underwear 
but that's insane. Yeah. That's and I'm he didn't impressed put with pants him already. on for the whole rest of the show. <laughs> he didn't know. I know. I, I kept waiting. Around done. in his drawers, just no, yeah. no, still like, oh, confidence. Yep. <laughs> oh, he's a very confident, actor. confident, yeah, confident I, man. I love him. I think he's really good. Drew, what did he think of the bi generation angle? <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean that's a uh, yeah. I'm glad you you brought that up. I, I I like listen. They had to do something. I I I just I want. I'm tired. Of, there's just too many doctors running around the universe at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I like there there should only be one doctor at any given moment in time. The fact that you have Shuti's doctor and now you have Tenet's doctor, then you have like another Tenet doctor and another universe still running around, then you have like isn't um like uh like the chick from game of thrones is like a doctor running around with uh, she's TARDIS. immortal but she does have a tardis she yeah. has a tardis yeah. with with what, oh, what's yeah. her face that running one. around like, yeah, like there's like a clara yeah, I, yeah. i'm like Jennifer. i'm like who i mean like at, at some point all these guys need to get together and just battle for the death like, <laughs> there's but, also a uh, joe mine's fugitive doctor from the Whitaker era yeah there there you go right like like there's just too many tardises running around around that i'm like at at some point somebody's fucking with time too much uh and uh yeah i I don't Um, know i I just wish again more text manipulators too so you've got river song bouncing around all over the place and um bowman yeah barrowman's character jack arkness bouncing around too so yeah yeah that's true. I, I, I get it. But like when you have a TARDIS, it's different than like a, a bracelet that yeah. allows you to kind of do like the TARDIS is just something I feel like that is special that only the doctor, the doctor, should, the fact that it's just like sitting in a backyard somewhere with Tenet and it's just like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll go on an adventure later someday when I'm when I'm mentally stable. I'm like, what? Like, what is going uh, on right now? Like, I, I, I just I'm waiting for like episode four when Shooty is going to be like, call Tenet. I need help. I don't know. You know, yeah, like team up. Let's go. for Yeah, team exactly. Up, I just thought it just felt like they're just they put them aside just to use them again. And in like oh, a year or, or whatever, I, the, I didn't... the trailer for the May season does have Rose returning for one episode, at least. But, we know that uh, Donna's daughter. Donna's Rose. OK. Because there's oh, two roses okay. now, you know, in the universe. Yeah, I know, sorry. Yeah, I was like, which one? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, despite that, the, the by generation, like, I'm like, okay, I don't love it. Uh, but to see them both together on screen was pretty incredible. Um, something we've never seen before. It checks some boxes. I think it's a little bit lazy. Um, but otherwise, I thought, to your guy's point, I thought the episode was a lot of fun. It had so much energy based on neil patrick harris right he just like yeah the, the dude was a scene stealer um even with tenet right like he kind of just stole all the momentum um and again a god-like character is oh, yeah. always for for like anytime the doctor has to fight someone like omnip- omnipotent in a sense uh like it's just fun to see him sort of outwit something like that with rules or or whatever it might be the the ball tossing was a little stupid but whatever oh, yeah. okay like it got old like it, it it was about it was about 10 seconds longer than it needed to be um yeah. they should have all played league of legends together <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like why the Fuck ball that. thing like like you know when they're in a writer's room and they're like what game should they play and they're like, Fortnite. They're gonna, 
throw balls. <laughs> like what? I don't fucking. I don't know if that's the, the game. One. But you mean yeah. it's not eighteen sixty anymore? That's, yeah. that's weird. Be able to. I, I couldn't understand why. What made this game so difficult for them? Wait, like, was just like, why didn't Why didn't one of them just chuck it behind them? Like, <laughs> right? I don't. I, I Fuck don't, you, I, man. Just, I think. The idea is it's all supposed to be fair, so he lowers himself to their their physical capabilities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I guess so. Okay, but I, I, it just seems like a character that would instantly cheat to win, uh, and and still kind of play by the rules, right? Like cheat rules. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're playing with a five year old, you know, when he sort of like moves the square four inches. Like, this oh, way that's so. fine. Yeah. Oh, doctor, <laughs> I am using the monopoly, and I have stolen all the money. I win. <laughs> <laughs> I built 14 houses. You did. It was great. It was great. Other than the sort of like multiple doctors thing. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a fun episode. And I agree. Shuti is just like, he's got that smile. The moment that dude smiles, like hearts melt. Like he's just yeah. the, the most yeah. charismatic doctor I think we've had in I don't know, a long, long time. Uh with the toy maker. It, there's one guy, he wouldn't play the the boy who waits oh, or the man he who, who waits, waits. Yeah. yeah another one who waits because because i'm sure the doctor was the, the guy who waits or, or at one point and i'm sure rory was a guy who waits <laughs> yeah for, he, he waited for but like a there is years. one another guy who's waiting somewhere and he won't fight him or play a game with him because he knows he'll lose that's a bit scary that someone so powerful won't play them that's it's a it's, it's a good little breadcrumbs to where we, we may be going into the season like that that whole feels like harking back back to the the bad wolf days where you you Ugh. saw bad wolf everywhere because he was sort of riddling off to say like over the years over the hundred years or whatever i've killed off like he doesn't he talk like i killed the master i killed yeah, like, yeah. Like, he's basically saying teeth. like yeah like he's basically saying like i've i've conquered everything except you right like uh, I, since I've made I'm a jigsaw of your history is the line he says. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, yeah. So I was trying to wrap my head around, like, what does that mean repercussion wise for him moving through? Like, is this, I guess, uh, well, I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm asking, is this Moffat's way of sort of like, of J.J. Abrams in the timeline, right? In the sense that, like, I can do whatever I want now because the, the toy maker sort of reshuffled, reshuffled the deck. Right, the deck is now new, right, with Shuti, right? It's no longer like almost yeah. retconning, almost retconning everything that happened even before. Like everything can be new again because of the toy maker. Well like, or am I am I am I overthinking that? I don't know. Well, basically what he says was he played a game with the master, which the master lost. Now the game that he played with the master was when he came about, which meant whatever he did to the doctor's history must have been about when the master was about, which was season two of the Whitaker era. So you can pretty much say that he hasn't affected anything before that, okay. but he could have affected anything during that. But he might not have. You don't know. Yeah. I think that vagueness is what they want. <clears throat> they want you to be able to say either the timeless child happened or didn't because it's such a controversial um, thing. They yeah. made a Schrodinger's box. I guess so, right? Like it, but I guess that's my point. It's sort of like Moffat can kind of do whatever he wants here, right? Like moving, like in, in a way, right? He's sort of written him, he's written a sort of loophole to where like, no, 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 no. Remember this thing? I can kind of do that now, right? Like I'm not beholden to 
that because of this the toy maker i could say the toy maker did this it's kind of like when remember he said i did the thing with the salt yeah yeah i did the superstition and that's what made the toy maker personally to come I... back and i was kind of like well that doesn't make any fucking yeah. sense but okay well yeah, it's Moffat, it's Moffat writing be, yeah the by generation I've... was supposed to be a myth and so he opened up yeah. the door for that to be uh, able okay, to happen yeah. i feel like I'm he's felonying it rather than than retconning which is just making things fit with with extra content good okay. in the in the next episode, which we're about to go on to, um, uh, Shooty's doctor says that he's adopted, which is all about the timeless child stuff, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, go. because he believes that right now. But if that's ever changed, then you've got that line to fall back on from the toy maker. It really just opens doors. I couldn't really understand the repercussions of what was happening, right? Other than they made very made it very clear that the master was sort of in this gold tooth and there's like a little easter egg scene where someone picks it up i guess <laughs> russell's yeah. greatest hits he, yeah. he, he, yeah. the the painted nail character picking up the ring again <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh i didn't catch the painted nail thing what is yeah. that a reference to uh it's a reference to the uh, end of the and the sound of drums story um where basically he dies but then someone picks up his ring who has like a painted nail it turns out to be his wife uh, and that's where the end of time story starts because yeah. they fucking love so, John Sim Master. So yeah, they uh they pretty much did it again, exactly yeah. the same. It was cool that they did this because it felt big, it felt bombastic, it felt like a 60th anniversary special, right? And uh, the fact that they did it with three now four episodes, and then as a way to introduce the doctor through a holiday special. I don't know. I just felt it felt very tact like it's very rare that a show is this smart in its execution. Does that make sense? Like it, it, it took the time to sort of like plan something out to this level. And I think, I think we can all as fans appreciate that sort of thinking behind, like, here's what these episodes are going to be. We're going to do this. We're going to bring back 10 and that's all going to lead to this Christmas special. And, and mm -hmm. we're going to see shooting. There's going to be this by gen. Like it just felt like instead of like, maybe we're going to do this thing. And now you, now you new showrunner figure it out. Right. Like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> you know, like it all felt very planned and purposeful, Ugh. which I, I appreciate. So let's go on to shooties episode. Then um, the church on Ruby road. as I like to call it, Doctor Who's Labyrinth episode. <laughs> Baby gets Child. taken to the Goblin King. <laughs> Childhood Lots of, nightmares. Lo Merry Lots Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! We're Just needing the boy coming back from the dead <laughs> and we've got Labyrinth. That's all we've got. Is, is this like the least Christmassy Doctor Who Christmas episode? I don't know. It felt like um, at the end, didn't I was need like, to be at Christmas, did it at all? Yeah, it really no. didn't. It no, really didn't. Well, it allowed on. for a for amplified uh, budget on the on the imagery, though. It, Maybe it's yeah. shot very nicely. It's pretty. Well, hold on, right? Christmas very is pretty. about Jesus, and he slams the evil goblins onto a church. <laughs> I mean, Christmas. I mean, that, is, that is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're so right. It was like Ghostbusters. He like you, you step on a church in my town. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit that's awesome this is right. so much fun though yeah it yeah, was, it was, it was a, a lot of fun really fun but it was also such a good like 
acting from Shooty Gatwa. Like he the amount he cries on cue when he realizes that she's gone is like mm-hmm. insane. It's like completely admirable. Like I, I, I love this doctor. I really do. He's so good. Again, love the practical effects. Um, especially the Goblin King. Uh, was there like six people in that thing? Like, what the yeah, fuck? Okay. <laughs> so <Cool>. stupid. <laughs> Uh, why why was this why was the sinking for one and for two why did they start say, start playing the song when Chuty said please start saying the song he's not part of the goblin tribe what the hell's going on there they love the music they love to dance the goblins are their weakness is dance clearly yes, they're just there for a jam man and yeah how good time. the heck did ruby sunday figure out how to rhyming couplets in that song when she had no idea it was coming i get why the doctor is he thinks on his feet but like ruby sunday improvisation man i know with a with with a good note like with a good rhythm uh, yeah right and one more one more thing before my rant's over right ruby sunday is a stupid name (laughs) it feels like a nursery rhyme name or uh a love interest in a marvel comic you're not wrong. Well, oh, it's not wrong. likely yeah. because uh, when you have a kid who's abandoned, mm-hmm. they sometimes name them after the day they were abandoned on. And if they left a note saying this kid's name's Ruby, they're just like, right, okay, you're Ruby found on a Sunday. So it was on Ruby a, Sunday. It was Ruby Road, wasn't it? That's the that's Ruby why it's Road. Ruby. Yeah. So yeah. Ruby Road on a Sunday. That part is not known here. So I'm yeah. glad you yeah. explained it because I'm like, I didn't understand why. Although Ben does save that, like I was with you, yeah. Ian, for a while. I was like, "This is stupid. I don't know if I can buy the Ruby." But but your explanation, Ben, actually, I think might gives it a little bit of uh, now. I, now I feel bad. Like but... I'm not I'm not going to shit on it as much because it actually has some thought behind it. It's yeah, based on your logic, right? So, it's okay. Um, we 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 can shut up, Ian. We can rail on Lulu Bell as much as you like, please. I don't. Yeah, that that's terrible. Weird. That's a joke. <laughs> Yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, it was. It, I, I listen. I'm. I always want more Christmas in my Doctor Who Christmas specials. There's something about like I like the Christmassy vibe, man. This felt like a Doctor Who episode, like with Christmas sort of forceful, leaf fed. Uh, but that said, the Goblin thing was fun. The 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 ship and the ropes and like him figuring out which rope. I, it was all in the song, and then yeah. it it gets a little hard to to swallow. It's very, like, listen. It's very Doctor Who. The whole idea that like the goblins are or attracted to what is it or a coincidence Coincidence, like coincidence um i thought that was just it's it's good clever writing it doesn't i wouldn't be surprised if we never see goblins ever again it just felt so silly right like it's just a silly villain right that coin they're attracted to quinn but i don't care like it was still just too fun like i had i was trying to wrap my head around it i was trying to overthink the episode right you know like about the con the like the time travel and then the they're attracted to coincidence and then like it like it felt like the episode tried to over explain it to you which made it even harder to understand Ooh, you, you know what i'm saying like it was trying to like mansplain Link. itself to me and then i was kind of like no by you explaining it is actually making me my head hurt more mm-hmm. um <laughs> trying to explain why you, you know what i'm saying like i feel like it needed less in, in the sense of that but uh at the i still didn't mind like i still loved like shooty just he was just incredible i still think uh what's her name that plays ruby um millie gibson Gibson. millie gibson yeah i'm on the fence like i i think she just needs time to warm up to find her character 
and or acting or something I, she just it, there's some companions right away i'm like oh man nail like awesome she, she's a little, a little mm. like i don't know for me a little dry like i'm not i don't really care like she could go away next episode and i'd be like yeah sure i didn't know that i needed a, a doctor who that could dance and sing if it becomes a regular thing, I will quit watching. Please don't do that. And I'm saying that as a person who used to be a musical theater major in college. Please don't. Uh, but it was fun. I want to live forever. Yeah. No. I, uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was a good time, which is what I always expect out of a Doctor Who Christmas special. Yeah. Um, it was pretty, like a Doctor Who Christmas special. Um, I, I agree. I'm, I'm on the fence about about ruby i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not super sold on her uh it was a fun episode i don't know if i got enough if i got interested enough in her in one episode to care yeah. at this point yeah I'll, I'll give it a few episodes and see yeah i don't know about her but it was a very very fun episode the goblins right. were hilarious uh, and i agree bad. about the labyrinth i think yeah, she was like... very sweet like she has this sort of like um feeling to her of being like the doctor's sort of like adopted child now, you know, because she's she was started as an orphan, and I think that he's sort of adopted her as well. <laughs> but she sort of wanted that as well. So I, I feel like she's fairly nice. I think we'll see more of her as she goes along. Hopefully she doesn't turn evil. Because <laughs> there have been companions who turned evil in the past, but no, it, it doesn't seem likely. But this is a turn up for the books, then, isn't it? <laughs> We're back. What's happened? If you've not seen, uh, there's been a, a source that says Millie Gibson has all but left and there's a brand new companion. And that companion seems to be Verada Sethu, who you may or may not know as um, Cinta from Andor. Millie Gibson has only had one episode as uh, Ruby Sunday, the Doctor's companion, and we already know that she's already leaving at the end of the series. What What do you guys think of that? Why should I be invested in this character at all? We already yeah. know she's not going to last. To your point, they would want to kind of announce it a little closer to the end of the season, because now you're right, mm -hmm. like everyone's going to be like waiting for like shooter drop, like on the lie. They, mm -hmm. they should have filmed season one already. Uh, like The idea was they were filming season one and two altogether because they've only got uh, Shooty Gatwa for so long. There was there was a big long train of recordings and she's gone through halfway through them. It's like, why? Like, what could have happened? Did she have a problem with the producers or something? Is she going to be on tours with Christopher Eccleston in a few weeks going, I hate Russell T Davies? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> There wasn't a big deal made uh, about Bill when Bill only had one season. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing if it was intentional if Russell only wrote a season for this character. And the, like the, the way that that first Christmas special was structured for me was that there is some kind of mystery towards Ruby Sunday's origin. And once that story's done, it might just be done. I don't want to make a massive deal about it because it could just be the story. I'd... They uh, they could be pulling a Romana. She was a Time Lord. Like if they reveal that Ruby's a Time Lord, I guess she could regenerate. Another one? <laughs> yeah, there could be another one. Um, no, I just, it just screams like a bad fit. I just don't think she can keep up with... She's probably struggling to bring the same charisma and chemistry that he's bringing. What if she's the series villain? I mean, if we're going to go that way, do we think Missy had a child 
while she was Missy. What? I what? don't want to even think about the biological implications <laughs> of such a thing. Dude, I love you, that too. That is a great theory, Charlotte. That is awesome because you don't see her face when she's walking away. You, and she's like planting it for the doctor she knew. You saying that Ruby Sunday is the master's child. <laughs> yes. Little Missy. <laughs> Little Missy. Let's quickly talk yeah. about the incoming companion then, Verada Sethu. Um, she was in one of the best Star Wars things ever known to man, which is Andor. She was also yeah. in one of the worst Jurassic Park things known to man. <laughs> you take some, That's one, hand gets, one hand takes away. I've not seen her in anything, so I have no idea. I, I like it when they change the companions up. I think that's cool. It's always good to, to see new dynamics. Thanks for reacting to this news, guys. Before I, I, I actually take up over the universe with my Cyberman friends, you know, I <laughs> yes. will, uh, we'll cut you right here and we'll go back to the episode. And just to touch on that note real quick on her, the parent, like the fact that the doctor could have walked up to, I guess, the mom or dad, I'm assuming it was the mom dropping her like because he sees yep. that happen and then chooses not to feels like it's not something they're going to revisit in the sense that it doesn't matter it's kind of like going back to like it doesn't matter who's raised parents mm-hmm. are in star wars like we don't need we don't need but then we end up it need to matter but it's, like it's gonna matter though isn't it yeah that's what I'm, i guess the like, whole point oh, yeah. part of me is like i don't know if it should matter but at this because they have that scene you know to where he sort of chooses not to not to like because if it if his intuition like as a doctor he should have been like oh there's something nefarious here there's something wrong i'm gonna go right and then it would have unraveled like a larger plot like bad wolf style yeah like the fact that he doesn't make makes me think like it doesn't matter right like now like i don't know uh to me if he'd gone and confronted that person there's always the possibility they could have turned around and gone and took the baby back which was counter to what he wanted because in that episode we see she's made a lot of people happy uh from being an orphan and she seems happy herself so why would he take that away from ruby Uh, that's what i got from that i think letting her go was probably the best thing for ruby since her mother clearly didn't care about her yeah yeah i think we'll definitely see that character again uh, that i i think we'll see her her mother again have to the reason i i i might agree with you that she's going to come back is the whole like subplot there of like we couldn't find your dna like there's no no one exists with with Uh, that matches your dna right like there's that big plot hole there that never and she just sort of like oh no no one you know like is that rare she's like oh it like they kind of it happens uh you know so it's clearly there might be something here they're trying i feel like it would be rare for uh for them not to kind of tie it into something larger right i feel like every companion always somehow for the most part has like a larger purpose right like yeah that's why they're chosen or picked or well i felt like i felt like the goblins were sicked on them because they were trying to look for a parentage like the moment they start looking for DNA, the goblins start messing around with stuff and start trying to... Uh, they, they don't try and kill her. They try and kill Davina McCall, who's the one doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, they drop a Christmas tree on her. <laughs> what a way to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Christmas is evil in this episode. <laughs> like, a snowman falls on someone, Christmas tree, you know? Yep. Anyone got uh, a theory who Mrs. Flood is? Oh, uh, no. Old woman at the end who's obviously seen a TARDIS before. Like, what the fuck was that? You never seen TARDIS before? No, I fucking haven't actually. He saws me. I I hate that part so much just because 
she's from EastEnders, and EastEnders did a crossover with Doctor Who years back, which means she could just be doing a reference to the terrible EastEnders crossover. It could just be an Easter egg. It, it could, could just be that. But I've it seen, might not. <laughs> yeah, I've seen so other weird. theories online just because her name's Flood, and there's been water-themed people in the past who've been in the same family. So, like, River Song at um, and Amy Pond, Amy Pond, mm. um, and this is a flood, but I, I can't see it. That that's a, a bit tenuous. It was done so like obvious, like fourth wall almost breaking. That mm. I was, it was so to your point, been cringy. Like I was just like, uh, oh, like it's it was just it, they made it so obvious that I was like, whatever. They'll yeah. they'll tell me one day. New Sonic screwdriver. New Sonic screwdriver. So odd. It's not a screwdriver. It's, it's not a, a screwdriver. <laughs> it's it's a it's a screw remote. It's a yeah. yeah it's it's a universal remote. Whatever. <laughs> it's, it's got it's little Gallifreyan symbols on it. It's so weird. Just give me a fucking screwdriver. Everyone's <laughs> gonna have that screw joke every time that it comes up. This is my Sonic screwdriver. Where's the screwdriver? It doesn't have to be an actual screwdriver. No, fuck yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make it look I, I like was, a screwdriver. I was trying to, like, I even watched, like, some of, like, they did a lot of social push on, like, like him explaining his new screwdriver. And I was, like, watching it. And I was, like, okay, there's some, like, personal inscriptions and stuff. I was, like, that's, that's. But then, like, he's using the episode. I was, like, oh, it just looks stupid. <laughs> I was, like, I couldn't get over it. Like, I was, like, it just doesn't feel, like, right. Maybe I'll warm up to it. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, it, it looks like a really cheap version of uh, the phasers from yeah. uh oh yeah star trek, star trek. Oh, no. yeah it, it is interesting though like it's it's like the first screwdriver that like something actually like it's like it actually is functional in the sense that like things like slide out and like is there's some interesting the swiss army knife. Good yeah ever. it's like a swiss army yeah no, 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 no it's a swiss army knife, which now i hate it even more yeah oh <laughs> uh, no sonic like, knife we <laughs> It'd be funny if though if like there's like an episode where they're like serving like bread or something is like ah I wish we had a knife and he's like I have a Sonic and he actually like pulls out of that yeah. like, tangible knife and can saw through it. I I actually likened it to um, Adam Sandler's click remote. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it, it does kind of look stupid. like it. Yeah, to be fair, it probably could change channels, right? Like the probably Sonic could, could, could probably. Sonic like, could, though. The, the, yeah, uh, exactly. the screwdriver could. The Sonic screwdriver could change right. channel. <laughs> probably thing, a normal yeah. screwdriver could. Use this thing just like... finds like porn. You're like, why yeah. does this thing only <laughs> find porn? On my like, I don't know. This thing's broken. Weird alien porn at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tentacle yeah. porn. Oh, it's all about the hentai. <laughs> Clitothu. <laughs> I'll bring it back. Boom. <laughs> Clitothu. <laughs> With that, then, shall we go through a quick summary and some overall thoughts? Ben, what was your overall thoughts and a quick score out of 10? And split it into two. Let's do it. Split into two. David Tennant and Shooty episode. Uh, David Tennant, I think I'll have to give it an 8.5. Mostly because, you know, they didn't put as much resources into it as they could have as a 60th anniversary special. Putting a filler episode in and calling that a special kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, but that's my own personal opinion. So, what? <laughs> you shut your damn mouth. <laughs> so, I'm going to say 8.5, but the giggle was definitely my favorite of the bunch. And how about the shooty episode? Oh, I would give that one a nine, probably. 
okay. just because I really like it. I think that there was like a point taken off purely for the old woman. Okay. Like like that that just annoyed me. That was like, oh, they're doing this again. We're gonna be sending six months waiting for this just to see if there's an answer. <laughs> All right. So Charlotte, how about you? For the uh David Tennant episodes, I have to say probably nine, nine out of ten. But I just love David and uh Catherine together. I think they're amazing. I love anything they do. Um and for Shuti, I'm gonna say probably nine and a half, just because I'm not really feeling the ruby character quite yet but yeah i'm, I'm looking you. forward to seeing what they do with it head of unit drew <laughs> uh, yeah i'm i'm gonna give the tenant episodes I, I think i'll give them a solid eight I, you know i they're high i what i what i love about doctor who is out of when you go back to their library and, and if i choose to rewatch them right like it's sort of like it's it's like 11 o'clock at night and i'm like i'm gonna fall asleep to something and fall asleep to doctor who episode and i go back and i'm like i think i would put one of these up uh, several of these episodes rewatch them a lot right i think they're fun and they feel v- lively like in the doctors and they're clever and they're in some points even scary which yeah. they kind of check all those great boxes which is great um so i'm gonna give it a solid eight like like i would go back and watch these all over again um i, I deduct a few points just because of logic right and <clears throat> and not really quite nailing some of the dynamic and the, the extra doctors still floating out there like them unable to finalize tenet's tenure feels weird to me in the 60th um and then um for shooties uh i'm gonna give that a nine i think that was like as far as like doctor introduction episodes that's top tier right like that's Mm -hmm. that's up there with matt smith's i think um and even uh yeah capaldi i thought capaldi's first episode was pretty strong uh i think it's top tier i think they did a really solid job of like showing us what the future of doctor this doctor's tenure is going to be and like what he can bring to the table so i thought they did really and and the only i agree the point off i think is for ruby i just not sure her characters she quite knows how to play her character yet i think it's going to come uh their dynamic isn't quite there yet their chemistry i think i think eventually shuti's charismaticness or charisma will sort of like she'll find it because of him like he'll bring it out of her right i think that's just as an actor, they'll figure that out. I think I, I'd give the Tenant episodes 8.5-ish. I, I think they were solid. They made me fall in love with Doctor Who again. It, it was just fun. Uh, my dad asked me if I should watch it. And I said, it's fun. What, why not? My sister asked if, if I should watch it. I said, absolutely not. You hate space. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, two of the episodes don't, he doesn't yeah. go to space. So, <laughs> I mean, it's very true. You know. uh, Shooty, I'm going to give a bit less than, than you guys. I, I'm, it was Labyrinth in Space, and I'm not sold, sold on Ruby Sunday um, at all. Um, so, I will go for an 8.5 on that one as well. It's still good. It's still a good introduction. Really enjoyed it. Excited for the future. Uh, I think the, the teaser really got me excited to see what, what's coming next i'm definitely going to be watching it uh, in may when it comes out how many do we know how many episodes we're getting any any did we get any clue on that on the new seasons eight episodes that's not bad i don't know yeah that's i don't know i i long for the days of like a a, 
a 20 episode doctor who season where they just crank, crank them out every they're single low, week you know? they're low budget and yeah i don't give a shit uh I, I long for those days but uh i'd love for fathom events to start putting them in theaters again so I, oh, i've been yeah, to see but... uh what was it uh, the wives or the husbands of berber song saw that in the theater hmm. i saw um the one the christmas before that i saw that in the theater and then the year before that they released the uh the five doctors yeah oh that's a good theaters. all right then bring back uh what was it not the war doctor that paul again paul again i thought he was oh. awesome yeah we need more stuff with paul again like, yeah, he didn't he, get a chance to shine he didn't get a chance to shine and he was he, i he, thought he was great uh, so no, i, I kind of want to see him do a cameo no, th thanks very much, guys, for, for lending your nerd knowledge for Doctor Who today. And thanks, everybody, for listening and watching our very special Watching Now podcast on Couch Soup, all about Doctor Who. If you liked this, then do all the good things that everyone tells you in videos to do. Like, subscribe, review on Apple and Spotify, you know, all that jazz. And if you really, really love us, why don't you just become a member on Couch Soup? You can do it on the free tier if you want, but if you want to support independent creators like myself and Ben and Charlotte and sort of Drew, then <laughs> you can become a member and paid tier. In support independent creators. Thanks yeah. very much, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts.